0: Unix overlooked pop culture, and welcome to this episode of the Next Report podcast, where we cover Unix and overlooked pop culture. Um, Shaggy's joining me today. Hey, everybody! So, Curtis, Curtis couldn't be with us this week. He's got school functions and everything else, and we believe in the importance of that. So. Um, he'll probably be with us next week unless something comes up like finals or something like that. And again, school is very, very important, so no big deal. Anyway. Um, oh, Veterans Day is today since we're recording today, so thank you to all of those who have served in the Armed Forces. Um, there, there are those who have different political leanings regarding war, and I don't think days like today are meant to glorify war by any means and everything else. But at the end of the day, we need to recognize that those who served in the military are human beings. Some of them who have went through, um, frankly, a living hell, and who've come back and they're not the same. So... If you if you see somebody who did serve, uh, just um, whether it's today or maybe tomorrow morning, just just wish them well, and wish them a very wonderful day. And that's all I have to say on that. Anywho, um, last week we we both kind of I spotted something. Um, um, you know, kind of, you know, security related, something that could affect uh, national security actually in a very, very bad way. Um, It's malware called Black Energy and it affects multiple platforms. Uh, I first came upon this through a link to IT World and Shaggy uh, spotted something on um, ABC's website where uh, multiple pieces of infrastructure have been potentially impacted by this. Uh, um, So first of all, what were your thoughts when you first saw this?
1: Well, uh, when you first shared the uh, article with me, I, I was a little bit intrigued, honestly, um, because uh, security problems are always a concern. And, um, that's, that's, that's a big focus on a lot of uh, uh, campuses for uh, computer science students now. Um, unfortunately for me, I don't think I'm going to get a chance to take a computer security class. Um, actually, no, scratch that. It was the networking class that I'm not taking. I am taking a computer security class next semester. It's a it's a required elective. So I'll, I'll get a little bit more of a taste into it and see if I like, probably gonna see what some of this uh things go on in the background and probably we'll probably actually look at some viruses. I don't know for sure. But the fact that there is uh the ABC article that Thomas had mentioned was the one that I found. I just did a quick Google search on uh, um, black energy. I had to modify it a little bit and put Trojan afterwards, otherwise it just bring up all kinds of crap like uh dark matter and stuff about physics that we not really related to the moment, but <laughs> uh, and I kind of skimmed over this article. And the headline just says "Trojan Horse Bug, Lurking in Vital U.S. Computers Since 2011," and we all know right now it is 2014. <laughs> so uh, the, it's it's a little bit of a uh, alarming. So and it's. I guess it may be something that's contained at the moment. I don't. I really don't know. I don't think many of these articles have really um, said much about it, how widespread it is, and stuff like that.
0: Because, um, and for the those who are like this thing, it's going all the way back to like two thousand eight. It's is where it originated. It was... It originated... Er, according to uh, Dell Secure Works, it originated in Russia, and it was meant for DDoSing basically server sites, etc. It was it was during the Russian-Georgia conflict that this thing came out. It's since evolved, and it's now has various abilities, including randomly taking screenshots, um, stealing, stealing login cred- credentials, banking credentials, um, reading the device IDs from USB devices. And I'm assuming that's, and people were asking why it would need that. We've, we talked about, I think we kind of had conversations about the USB vulnerability. I'm assuming it's, Reading device IDs as a way to find, you know, as a way to spread to other systems, I'm assuming, at this point.
1: Well, yeah. especially if you have something like a... Uh, for a while, I was using a USB network adapter because I don't have a wireless chip on the uh, desktop that I'm on. So if if you had, like, a wireless uh, network adapter that either uses Bluetooth or uh, Wi-Fi, it can spread using that net network uh, structure and spread to other devices, and that's one of the reasons why Bluetooth is not a very secure platform. It's only meant yeah. for short range, high speed,
0: and the the device IDs is kind of kind of disturbing. Cisco routers are especially vulnerable, though um, Linux-based systems can get this thing. Um, Windows is still primarily targeted. And I kind of want to use this as a reminder that just because you're not running Windows doesn't mean you're immune to any attack. Um, The biggest vulnerability is social engineering and not knowing what you're doing. So... And I had, and now I'm I'm playing catch up on some things because with life happening in the last several months, I didn't keep up on certain features of the operating system I'm running, and because of that, I finally figured out likely what was happening with my desktop. Um, the swap partition was not created correctly, so I had to go back in with a partitioning tool and recreate it. And now it appears my system is running better than ever because virtual memory is working properly. But I now had to research what is CryptSwap and everything else. So somebody could have taken advantage of that and and created all kinds of havoc for me, for example, if they really, really wanted to. So it's kind of a tangent, but... Again, if you don't know what you're doing, using certain things, um, you're you're going to get taken out to the woodshed. So there's there's um, but yeah, Dell Dell their SecureWorks website they have they have an analysis of it with value, links and documentation. Um, according to them, was authored by a Russian hacker. Two th- in 2000, it it gained notoriety in 2008 during the Russia Georgia conflict. 2007 Arbor Networks um, actually had this comprehensive analysis, and the the latest the latest available version is 1.9.2. What what the news sites are discussing is Black Energy 2 with all these extra nasty little features, including um, an explicit message to uh, security firm Kaspersky. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so there you have it. Um, Some of the some of the things that have been targeted are, basic, you know, en- energy infrastructure. Um, uh, though the U.S. government believes that this is Russian sponsored, ironically, it's been used to attack institutions in Russia as well. So <laughs> that's the problem when you create malware; all of a sudden, other people get a hold of it, and well it can kind of get out of hands. So. <laughs> um, but there, there's, I think there's kind of been warnings about infrastructure being kind of outdated and vulnerable too, especially regarding electrical power and everything else. Um, you said you believe they're, that they're likely contained by now if they're talking
1: about it. I would I would assume so. I mean, it's just, it's not something that I've heard of. I mean, um, and the the article that we're pointing to that was uh, written by Dell SecureWorks, that was written in 2010, and that was at, and at the time the uh, version of Black Energy was 1.9.2. Currently, it's Black Energy 2, and then that's what that's what's implemented all those like uh, features like reading USB devices. Uh, getting uh, screenshots um, using all the other probably I would assume that it's probably scanning almost all the hardware that's in your system and trying to find some sort of loophole or something to uh, a way of gathering more data on on what uh, like whatever specific user you're attacking. Um, and,
0: and, and and I'm proud to say that. I don't own a Cisco router, though I do own a network switch from them. So I um, don't know if that's potentially problematic or not, but
1: we'll see. Uh, I've got I've got a Linksys a Linksys router, which is made by Cisco. Cisco is usually one of the best companies to get a router from as well. They, uh however, in this case, it's a Target, <laughs> and that's because that it, that might be because I mean. Since since the origin of this uh, Trojan is kind of not – seems a little shady, one, one article points to saying it was originated in Russia, but at the same time it's been used by the United States as well. So the origin could be anywhere. And, uh, in one previous uh, episode, probably a couple months ago – I can't remember exactly when – Excuse me, we talked about uh, net neutrality. And one of the companies that was not in favor of net neutrality was Cisco. And whether or not this is linked or not, I don't know. But it's it's likely. I mean, the origin is still kind of just up in the air.
0: It could be anything, really. Are you able to put different firmware on your router, like um, OpenWRT? I,
1: b- I believe I'm able to. As, since it's a link, uh, Linksys router, I'm, I should be able to. Um, I have not, but I may. I may in the future because of this.
0: Yeah, because I've heard of people just saying, "Oh, forget this. We're gonna we're gonna put this custom firmware on this router," and it's supposed to be very 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 high quality and very good and fairly secure as well but the, but the Cisco routers apparently they, they basically say uh, fuck you Kaspersky you're not going to get a fresh black you're not going to get fresh version of black energy or whatever and, and they thank Cisco at the same time for having zero day vulnerabilities which is um, Zero-day vulnerabilities being those that have not been um, have not been uh, communicated to the public. So you have you have literally no warning because somebody discovered it and nope we're gonna we're gonna take advantage of it now and well you're screwed. So zero days are basically ones that a vendor may have no clue about. They don't realize it's there until it's too late. So fun, fun times. <laughs> so what what do you think should be done about this at this point? Besides running and panicking with your head cut off.
1: <laughs> well I, I'm pretty sure that part's already been taken care of uh, and I'm pretty sure Kaspersky or yeah Kaspersky is probably up in arms right now because of uh, the fact that it seems like they're going after not just Cisco but also Kaspersky because uh, did you actually read the message
0: oh yeah Bas- basically okay. you're not going to get. A- you're not gonna get fresh copy of this. Um, yeah,
1: you're not gonna get a fresh copy, and they basically said, fuck "You, Cisco, and fuck you, Kapursky, we are, uh, we are targeting you." Basically, I think that that's what I got out of that message. Um, I remember I looked on Dell's article, and it looks like they have a basic uh, infrastructure for. Um, diagram of what the uh, rootkit for this looks like and if, if you go, those of you that are familiar with what a rootkit is it's essentially um, a malware program that injects itself into like a lower level part of your system and the, the uh, rootkit for this is supposed to be able to target like if you're running Windows it's supposed to be able to target the uh, kernel and then hook on to specific uh, kernel functions to uh, do whatever it's supposed to do, um, and this uh, this diagram basically shows the uh, layout of the actual program that injects this into it. Because it's the the actual virus is a separate thing, and this program injects the virus. <laughs> so it's and in uh, in object-oriented programming, you learn, learn about something called encapsulation, which, uh, when you have like a program and you want to keep like a specific type of data uh, from being visible by another user or by anyone that's using this program, you declare what's called like a private variable, so it's blocked by everything but that program, so it can't be accessed without a, specific, a method. That is called like a setter and a getter. So, and then this seems a lot like encapsulation by using a program to inject the other program. So, theoretically, it's actually pretty amazing how they did it, but uh, that also makes it extremely dangerous and hard to crack.
0: And this thing, and they've actually built in. Routines that detect if somebody possibly picked up on the fact that their system may have been hijacked, and will either erase itself, erase the hard drive, destroy the hard drive, basically. Which used to, used to be that hard drives got to the point where a virus could not just physically destroy it, but I guess that's now or rather data on the hard drive is now just simply destroyed, thus making any attempt to track them basically futile. Um, it uh, This is one of the most interesting ones. And by the way, apparently mobile devices that can utilize this thing as well for remote controlling something so let's say you have a power plant that, and a computer is infected by th- this thing and this computer is controlling the cooling mechanism of said power plant. In theory, the person can remotely shut that computer off and shut the cooling functions off and you could potentially have a meltdown. Um, That's how serious this thing is. So, from an administrative point of view, um, kind of clamping down on IT policy and saying, um, no, these systems are for these specific functions. You cannot play on them, basically and do not give out credentials to other people and that sort of thing and being a little bit more strict on policy because one can only go so far on the technical front too it sounds like they're relying on people being gullible enough to let this stuff get onto their systems in the first place too because this thing's even hijacked VPN credentials making it even more of a pain in the ass so...
1: Another route for it to spread itself. Yeah. Just like we were talking earlier about accessing USB devices, and if one of those devices happen to be a network adapter or a Bluetooth adapter, it can spread itself using those types of structures, which that just makes it even more dangerous. And accessing more and more devices by using wireless, then attacking mobile, mobile devices, all you would have to do, theoretically, is share a picture on Facebook. And then, depending on how many Facebook friends you have, that many more people could be infected. And then one of your friends shares that picture. One of their friends shares that picture. And then, well, you start to see the pattern, Then it just spreads exponentially. And, and the- for a normal user an average user, you just wouldn't expect anything like that to happen because everything, everybody thinks that nothing can get into your phone. So,
0: And the interesting thing is um, one of these things is pointing to it says two Google Plus accounts one that's been viewed many, many times. So uh, a potential, potential issue there too as well, and another avenue of spreading. Um, what Shaggy's talking about in terms of pictures, JPEGs can contain coding inside of them that, when opened, boom, uh, you get hit with it. So, and all devices, you know, that's a very, very big problem, especially with, say, network printers that have have a specified amount of RAM in them as well. <laughs> and that's what makes this both very, very interesting and very, very, very dangerous. Um, I I personally rent my modem router so I can't flash any custom firmware on it nor do I have any desire to. Um, <laughs> You know, you know. I, I'd rather not deal with my girlfriend wanting to kill me because she she can't watch Netflix because well, I burned the modem router out. <laughs> so, uh, I do I do not have a death wish on that one at all. But aside from firmware, uh, maybe best security practices don't. Don't use a computer work computer to surf the internet, basically, because because there was that. I think there was also um, data breach on the part of the U.S. Postal Service, and that's basically how it happened. Is employees were just going, which which I think they had a previous policy of you're not supposed to be able to get on the computer unless it's for business only, and that's it. So, yay. Um, but yeah, I T World, horse Technica, all kinds of sites have talked about this thing, and we we'd like to know from everybody listening what what are you doing to secure your systems against something like this. Um. And how how far is going too far in terms of security? Is there too much paranoia? Is, is there not enough? Is there a middle ground that we can follow? Because I because I, I I even I get tired of trying to add extra layers of security, and then I forget the correct answer to something, and I can't get into something that I need access to, and I'm like oh. so. What do you personally do to secure your stuff, man?
1: Not much, honestly. <laughs> um, for the most part, if if I have something, for my, uh, almost all of my data that's on like anything that's real um, important to me, something like, for example, a social security number, stuff like that, I, I will do my best to not even let that out of my head. The, the only places that, that I have to use that on is like a certain legal documents. Um, if, if you have like health insurance, stuff like that, sometimes your account has to have that kind of information, um, applying for jobs, stuff like that. But other than that, I don't let anything like that out. Um, my phone number, if, if I get some random person calling me, I'm just going to block it. I mean, <laughs> um I don't know, it depends on what type of data it is. But for the most part, if it's like pictures or stuff on social media, I'm not too concerned about it because it's the likelihood of uh, something actually getting in there and affecting something is fairly minimal, but it also depends on what it is. So for the most part, I'm not necessarily paranoid, but I'm also a little more just... Conscious and aware of what I'm doing, so I guess that's that's probably would be the best advice that I would give to someone is just pay attention to what you're doing. I mean, if 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 you go in and like, say you want to do install Linux on another computer, and you've never done it before, so you don't even know what distribution you would like to use. So you just pick one random distribution, you don't know what you're picking, and then you just install it on your system. Next thing you know. You get all these spam emails or something because you're signed up for something that you didn't know. You Linux, right. but it's not Linux. <laughs> so
0: yeah, some things just cannot be idiot-proofed. Common sense being among those things. Um, but yeah, we we'd like to know what you are doing to secure, secure your systems. What products would you? Would you recommend, um, and what strategies too, um, Google has a product called Google Authenticator that's available in the Google Play Store as well. That's that's one way to kind of secure your Google, Google accounts and things like that. But if you visit thenextreport.com and visit our social networking sites in the sidebar.
1: oh, There's Google uh, Authenticator. I use it for mine. Because uh, for some reason, when I logged into my account a couple years ago, I had a login showing up from California. Don't know why. I don't personally care, but uh, I felt the need to take a second step of security. So since then, I've been using two-step verification, which is what uh, another layer of security that's added onto my Google account, along with the uh, Google Authenticator app.
0: So how does the Authenticator work?
1: Basically what it does is it's, it's what Google calls two, two-step verification. And if you log into a, this computer that I'm on right now, I don't have to use it again because it's my personal computer. But if I log in, like say I'm at campus and I wanted to log in to my personal Google account. If I want to do that, what I have to do is I type in my username and password like I normally would. And then it's going to say two-step verification, please enter security code. And then that's when I have to open up this app. And the security code changes, I think it's every 30 seconds. I can't remember. Oh, like, if sure. If you look up here, there's a little, it looks like a pie graph, and it's changing, and now it just changed to full. It's actually a timing, uh, like a timing mechanism, and this number over here will change. Like I think it's every 30 seconds and then I have to type that number in. So if I type that number in and then hit enter right before or like right after that number changes, it's invalid because it's synced with the phone. So theoretically, nobody can get access to my Google account unless it's one of the devices I already have that I've signed into and said that I do not require any more codes, or they have my phone. But they also have to know my unlock code for my phone. <laughs> so,
0: and and the un, in all fairness, the unlock code, um, unless you're u- literally using something that doesn't leave a mark on your screen, could potentially be compromised too, just by looking at the s- smears on the screen.
1: This is true. Which
0: is why your yours can literally use anything to on it so maybe having a solid object as a way of unlocking your phone might be a good idea or putting your hand underneath the piece of cloth that's compatible with touch screens because there are gloves out there that you can touch such screens with
1: you mentioned using another device to unlock a device uh, Google's actually implementing that, like if you have an Android phone, all you would have to do with Lollipop, this is a feature that's being introduced into Android 4, uh, 5.0, and you have a Chromebook, in which case you have a Chromebook, and you should get an update for Lollipop this coming year, close to the beginning of the year. Um, theoretic, all you have to do, if you're sitting in front of your Chromebook, you're going to work or something, you set your phone next to your Chromebook, it unlocks your Chromebook. That that will be that
0: and I'm actually going to see if there's updated software now. No, well, I doubt there is.
1: Yeah, I don't I don't think it's I didn't I didn't really look into what Samsung is supposed to do. I know Samsung takes a little bit to push out new updates for their phones because they have to put in the way it used to be is their touchwiz interface, which I think they're still running a version of TouchWish, but I think they've changed it. I don't know. I got rid of my Samsung phone. I didn't like it anymore. It was getting old. Laggy, well, but Well,
0: uh. I think they've been kind of emphasizing TouchWish less and less as of late, too. Like, TouchWiz is still on this, but but I think at some point it may be just vanilla- Google interface at some point I don't know I think they kind of gotten had gotten into a conflict with Google about it at one point so but yeah mine's still mine's still running KitKat and it's and it's off AT&T to boot so that may add another delay to it I don't
1: um, think it shouldn't not anymore. You shouldn't have to worry too much about carrier stuff anymore because a lot of that's just pretty much portable from one version of Android to another. Now with this new update, I don't know. That might be just a little bit different, but who knows?
0: Well, I, I hope to get it soon because it sounds like it has some very, very good features and and all of that. So, but um, I think that'll. About wrap it up for this episode um, hopefully hopefully our taxpayer money can be well used to uh, maybe secure said infrastructure a little bit more effectively and this is this is why computer literacy courses need to be taught a little bit more and that needs to be expanded upon throughout each community in this country because without understanding how this stuff works, we're gonna keep running into these problems over and over again. <laughs> and and we also need to understand and realize and recognize that everybody and I mean everybody everybody from the dumbest idiot to the smartest person is they're all vulnerable to what I call herp derp moments. So (laughs) so, uh, everybody's, everybody's susceptible to having a herp derp moment at least a few times in their life. So we also need to be forgiving as well. So on that note, entertain yourself, educate yourself and empower yourself. And we'll
1: um, talk to you next time. See you guys later. Later.